Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Five times are hitting the road again this summer. And it's the Champions League heroes heading to Ireland in August. Andrei Shevchenko, the European Footballer of the Year, star man in the Milan side, must score. He must score. It's a believe it. Jamie Carragher and Luis Garcia host a gala dinner at the Marca Hotel in Dublin August 20th. Once a European champion, always a European champion. 24 hours later Luis Garcia, Didi Haman and Jamie Carragher are at the Waterfront Theatre Belfast August 21st. Then in September Barnes, Aldridge and Haman in London on Thursday the 11th. Fowler, McAteer and Whelan in Newport, South Wales on Thursday the 18th. All details and tickets of all those events on 5times.co slash events. It'd be great to see you there. Liverpool have their hands on the European Cup again and this time it's for keeps. start with uh, sort of growing up um, what was your family life like growing up in, uh, in Scotland? In Motherwell. In Motherwell, <laughs> the mean streets of Motherwell. In Motherwell, yeah. It was a horror story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the funny thing about when, you, when you're children, you're growing up, uh, that part of your life, you 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 want you, you grow out of it quickly. I mean, you, you know, from from your born till just say, I got married when I was twenty. So that part, it all the difficult parts in that, it, it sort of just fades a bit, you know. And you then you go on with the rest of your life. Um, the growing up part, we, we my uh, it was pretty tough in a way because we we lived in a room in a kitchen. Right, uh, what they call the room in the kitchen, and that's all it was—a room in the kitchen. Two, these two rooms was one room would have sink in it, no hot water, uh, no electricity. It was gas, and just one bedroom. And there were six of us, six kids, uh, and my mother and father. And then my father died when I was six, so my mother was left with six kids to bring up on a widow's pension. You know, just after the war. Uh, so, I mean, I, I hear people have got, you know, stories of hardships when they brought up it. And I don't want to, like, say, well, mine was as tough as anybody's. But it was pretty tough. Because, you, you know, that six of you in this room and kitchen, living on a widow's pension, uh, there was two kids younger than me. Uh, and... From early on, I mean, it was, as I say, no electricity, no no hot water. I mean, it was just in Scotland. Always seemed to me, 
Scotland's freezing for six months of the year. There's always, you know, ice everywhere. I thought, um, but we 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 you you muddled by. Uh, got my first job with this paper boy, uh, and I had a, a job delivering milk with a milkman, a you know, horse with horse and cart, and the milk running up. There's uh, what we call cloches in Scotland running up with tenants, and you know. The, the milk at people's door, and, and so you got up in the morning to do that. Freeze, of course, morons. But as I say, these, these I never really think, oh, oh we're terrible. Now it's just he did it because you had to do it to get to get a few bob. And then the newspaper rounds that I did, in in the morning and after school, uh, we'd get to the shop for five o'clock. Papers would come in. We got to the Motherwell station and get the papers come off the train from Glasgow and, uh, and then you go and drop them off at people's houses and things. So that that's the way I was brought up and in school, I, I mean I enjoyed school. school. School was great because then you get into the football and playing for the school team when you know you're 10 year old or whatever uh, was great That was because I was a big fan of game in Motherwell. My, my team would go to Motherwell walk. I mean, you, you walk everywhere because, as I say, you bring the, the, the price of buses. And I'd go to the game on a Saturday and uh, climb, used to climb over the, the school next to it and then go over the, the wall. So I was doing this for, for, for years, really, getting, up, getting into the game for nothing. Um, and so, But to follow Motherwell, it was great. Motherwell had a good team through going through the fifties, and we won the league. No, then we won the league. We won the cup, and we won the league cup, and it was great. So, you you, you followed your team, and you had to go to games to see it because no TV. So that that was part of the thing was going to the game, you know, the crowds and all the rest. It was fantastic. So Motherwell uh, were my team. Played this with the school, the junior school, went to the, the, the big school, uh, and got in the team there, uh, and that was great. But I also played with the boys' brigade. I was in the boys' brigade, and I played with their team as well. Um, so I was getting plenty of team football. Um, we played with ash pitches and horrible, <laughs> horrible pitches. Going. But the fact that you were playing was great, and... Uh, and you get boots, boots we had. Uh, I got hand-down boots from somebody. Uh, so I had to put, they were too big for me to put paper in the, his toes, you know. And they were very big hard, toe cap boots. Uh, and the studs, got you put them on the last and, and, and take them up to the, <clears throat> the cobblers. And he would hammer them, the, the studs in. And then, of course, you're playing on the hard surfaces and ice and snow and all sorts of things. That, and it would wear down, and the nails would come through your, your boot. And I was no kidding. I remember trying to get my boot off once, and the nails was, were in my sole of my feet. So I couldn't pull my, my, my foot out of the boot, and blood everywhere. Uh, I was. <laughs> but the football was the thing that, that kept you. Going. And we played football in our street, on the streets, you know, we play in back courts and playing games, heading against the wall and all that 
And as I became a good head of the ball club because we played all those games, heading games. Um, so you, you could, you, you know, after years of doing that, you never think, this, I'm doing this and well, one day being a good header. You were just doing it because that was the games that you played. You know, and uh, all the climbing games and jumping games and stuff. So, I mean, it was that kind of boyhood for me. All games, sport, everything. When I was at school, I was in the, the, the running for the school, but I was in hurdles. And I was a hurdler. I learned the technique of hurdling. And I was quite good at it. So that all that up that was me until we finally, finally got out of this house into a new house that was building in Motherwell. And we got a new house, which was wonderful. We got a house with you know indoor bathroom, the whole thing. So that was like okay. Buckingham Palace, <laughs> as far as we were concerned. Uh, but then I was leaving school at fifteen, and I have to get a job, and. To, I went. I got a job in a in a garage right next to Motherwell's ground. Backed onto Motherwell's ground. This this garage, and I was going to be I don't know, uh, some sort of. I think maybe it wouldn't be a carpenter or something. But they were making some sort of things to put onto cars or lorries or whatever. But I hated it. And I, and I used to jump the wall and, and go and, and watch the players training, you know, because there's no training grandmother. We used to and see them kicking a the ball about on the pitch, and I'd jump the wall from from this garage and that. And then I got caught doing all that, and I got sacked from, as I said, I'm still 15 year old, but I got a job in the steelworks, which was better money. By that, I mean about two or three pounds a week. Um, and you were on the shifts at 62, shift in the morning, 2 to 10 in the afternoon, and the night shift. So there's three shifts, and you did, you know, three shifts, boom, 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 every week you were on a different shift. And my job at the beginning <laughs> was working at a furnace where when a little light would light up, a bulb would light up, which meant you had to drop a billet, which is a big uh, steel I don't know what the billet gets pushed off off with this machine that I was operating. Uh, it would push and push and push, and one of the billets would come out the, uh, the furnace and roll away on the rolling mills to get. Uh, and that was my first job. But I wasn't very good at it. Sometimes I'd roll two two out instead of one, and the whole place would come to a halt. And so anyway, I got sacked from that. And then I got a job in a factory, the Motherwell Bridge and Engineering Company, right near where I lived. So it was just a walk across the road, down the road, you know, half a mile and it was great. And they had a football team. And that was my first time of playing sort of with grown-ups. Uh, and it was a tough, a tough league. So I'm playing in this. And uh, somebody said to me, why don't you, you go and try and get a game of North Motherwell Boys Club? Because they had better players and an established team. Again, they were right on my doorstep. So I went across to them and got signed up with them, the North Motherwell Boys Club. And that was me off and running because I, I, I'm playing in a club that was great. 
the old boy at Patmore Court that ran it was great, great old boy. And I ended up playing, I got picked for the Scottish Boys Clubs. So that was my first sort of international recognition. Uh, me and two other lads from our club, it was a big, big thing in the team. And so that was me now being watched by the professional sort of looking down to see who's coming through. And uh, we got asked, myself and these two lads, other lads, John McPhee, who went on and played at, at Blackpool, to go and, and train at Motherwell at night. So this is me, you know, Motherwell. And uh, we, we got, I mean, the training, when you look back on it, I mean, they hadn't a clue. They just run around the pitch. That was your training. You know, I mean, when you, when you look back on it, and the kids of that era and subsequent the next 25 years, 30 years in Scotland were all skillful players. Nothing to do with the football club making them skillful. You know, you're talking today's football where they're going to academies and learning tricks and learning this and learning that skills. We learned our skills on the streets. So we were already skillful. You know, and you, okay, you, you hone that as, you, as you, you're in, in the pros, but they didn't learn you anything. All they were doing was running around the pitch and run up and down the terrace and use fitness training. Just that was it. Uh, but Motherwell always keeping an eye on me and they signed me on a, what we call a provisional form, which meant that they had you signed up and you couldn't sign for another club. I mean, you're only an amateur kid, 16-year-old, but you couldn't sign for anybody else. But you'll get two quid a week, which was fantastic. So... I've got my two quid from Motherwell, training there, you know, two nights a week, running around the pitch, uh, and playing for my boys' club. Then I, I went to this next step up from your boys' club, which we called junior football in Scotland, um, which is the semi-pros, um, and it's a tough league. It's men, no kids, it's men. You, know, well, you, could, you were quite a good boxer, weren't you? Well, I, I was doing all the sports as well, but yeah, the... The, apart from the, all the running and jumping and things and whatever, I, I liked the boxing and there was a boxing play uh, gym near our house down the road a bit and uh, an old boy called Leachy Port, Leachy, an old pug as he used to call him, and, you know, the flat road and everything. And uh, it was a boxing club and, and I got into that and started uh, boxing and but I was doing the two things, the boxing and the football. Uh, Do you think you could have been a boxer? I don't know. I mean, I went, I, we went to box one day. We were over in the airship, and, and uh, they, they put me in the, the, the wrong guy. They put me in with a kid who, who was a good kid. Uh, and I was supposed to go in with an always fella. And, uh, I don't know what happened that anyway, but I go in with a good guy. But it was a good fight, and, and they were all quite keen for me to, to stick, stick in at the boxing, you know. But Motherwell at that time, this was me getting to the stage of my football career where uh, I'm, I'm playing junior, the junior football. And I got picked for the juniors to play an international game as well. So again, that was me climbing up that ladder, as it were, and you know, finding another level and getting up there. And the boxing, you know, had to take uh, a sidestep, uh, which... I look back on it and enjoy the boxing, and you, but you never know how good you are at that. If you're no good at it, don't bother. 
you know, don't bother. Just stick stick to punching bags. They don't punch you back. You know, but I, I, that's why I've always followed a boxer. I'm still to this day sitting watching watching boxing programs and following fights. And I used to follow the fights in Liverpool, uh, you know, down at the stadium always went and, and followed a boxer there and Liverpool and great boxers. So now that was uh, that that was me getting to the stage of you now junior football doing well and Motherwell then said, Okay, you we we'll, we'll take you on as a part time pro because I was still having my job. And the only reason I stayed in, in the steelworks and an engineering firm was to stay out of the army. Because conscription was still on, uh, which meant when, when you become uh, 21, you went in the army. If you didn't have a trade, you went in at 18. So I got married at 20, so I'm thinking, well, I don't want to go in the army, you know. So I, <clears throat> so I stayed that wave of uh, at Motherwell part time player getting paid I think six pounds a week. I got in the first team very early and the amazing how things happen in football. There was a bit of a flu bug around and a lot of the first team players got this flu bug and the manager uh, had phoned up the Steelworks and said could you tell Ainge joint to get to the up to the club at three o'clock or something because we're going to play down against Queen of the South uh, in a game, and uh, he, he's going to come with us. So the gaffer at the at the Steelworks said to me, "Your club's been on. You, you better go home and get washed up and get up to the club for three o'clock." So I did that. Off we went in the bus from Motherwell, and I played that night against Queen of the South, and that was my first game. And the flu bug must still have been around, so I played the next game as well, and I never then was out of the team. So that's it. You made your name at Motherwell. Yeah. And uh, do you think that was the? Uh, do you think Motherwell gave you the grounding you needed? Motherwell, at that time, it, it, funny how things in, in football, <clears throat> certain clubs, in certain times in their evolution, get a team, and it just happens. We got a team at Motherwell, all young players, same age as me, with a a year here or there and we were terrific we were terrific we were playing football that the rest of the, the Scottish League were looking at going oh, mother of some team all young fellas as I say my age you know we were, we were 18 19 year old no all about my height funny enough I was I was not the smallest but I wasn't the biggest either so <laughs> five forwards that were all great we were two wing halves was like midfield players, call them today, who could play. Charlie Aitken, Dirk McCann could play, international players. And it was great. And we we, were, we never won the league because Celtic and Rangers were, were won it year in, year out. But we were the best footballing team. And through that, I then got my first international cap. Uh, I played against Germany at Hamden and we beat them. And... That was the first of my, my caps. Um, so it was, all, the, all these things just sort of all follow on one and another as if, you know, it's all pre-planned, but it just happens for me. I think just, these things just happen. Um, so when I'm playing for Scotland, I'm, I'm playing at Motherwell and I'm 
and they're getting sixteen pounds a week and whatever. And it was in the papers about players going to England and the maximum wage had been lifted in England just around that time. And it's saying Johnny Haynes is getting a hundred pounds a week and all this stuff, you know. Uh, and I just got married. We had a, a child, and my wife said, "You know, they, they're getting a hundred pounds a week in England. You're getting sixteen quid a week here." Uh, but I didn't want to leave my role because the football was great and I was loving it. Uh, she said, "You should put in a tra <laughs> transfer." Uh, I didn't want to do that. But she was egging me on to do that. And then right at that time, a guy called Charlie Mitten, who was the, man the manager of Newcastle, come to my door one night after the game had been played, uh, introduced himself and said, I'd like you to, to come to Newcastle. And they were first division team then. Um, big club, as have always been a big club, Newcastle. Uh, so it was very tempting, and I said, what do you do then? He said, I'll tell you how to write a letter out to, to give to the club. So he showed me what he did, told me what to do, and I wrote a letter, gave it to the club, and they went, no, you're not going. <laughs> so that was, I said, that's me snooping. So Charlie comes back to me and said, put another letter in. So I put another letter in, and the club said, okay, they thought, well, we'll cash in here, you know. And... He wants to go, we'll cash in. And, they get, and then the, the very day that they said, yes, I could go, Bill Shankly, for some, I don't know how he heard about it, obviously he has contacts in Scotland, and uh, he then gets into a car with the chairman and motored up to Scotland. And I was playing that night at a, a local cup tie against Hamilton Mackey. And he, he's at the game. Spoke to our manager, said we'd take him to Liverpool, agreed the fee, which I think was thirty-seven and a half thousand or something. It was a record fee. Which was a record fee. Motherwell were, you know, quite greedy and they thought, oh, this is good, you know. And you know, I had got twenty pound to sign up for Motherwell. When they signed me officially as a pro, I got twenty quid. Now you'd think they would have said, okay, and you know, you've you've done well, you can five years with us and you know we've done well and you've done well there's something for you nothing and I thought that was you know that really really annoyed me about it only afterwards because I was excited about going to Liverpool and uh, so Shanksy we're off tomorrow morning in the car and off we went my wife myself left the baby with her mother and off we came down to Liverpool Bill Shanksy driving no, no. Oh, no, no. You wouldn't go in the boat with a bus driver. He was, he was mad driving. And uh, he always had somebody driving anyway. The chairman drove. And uh, we came down there. There was a board meeting had been set up. Another thing, I mean, I never, you know, today's football agents, I think, are really de destroying the game to a certain extent. Um, but at the same time, the players who have got agents, and the players later on from my era who got agents, at least were getting a better deal. Because up to that time, like Motherwell did with me, they just ripped you off as a kid. You know, you don't know your worth. And nobody, I don't think enemies could walk into a, a, a chairman and say, I think I'm worth X amount. You just wouldn't do that, you know. To a man, imagine telling Shankly, well, I think, you know, we, 
the offer was 30 pounds a week wages which was like more than double motherwell but so i was quite chuffed at that anyway but an agent would have got more than that for me he wouldn't have, but i was just happy to to be signing it and he was so convincing about liverpool and where liverpool were going and and they were a second division team at the time but he was saying we're going to be this we're going to be that and true to his word everything he said everything he believed in happened he made it happen and it was then the next 10 years of my life was liverpool and you know i couldn't have picked a better team it was a second division club wasn't it second division club what state was it in when you when you got there but believe me that the fans the thing that we as players <clears throat> you know when you run out there the crowds and the fans knock out you go wow this is fantastic you know, wonderful i mean the okay the the stadium needed needed revamping you know in dressing room the, the, the shower areas the, the, the training ground needed all revamped but all these things happened as, as we evolved in the first two or three years these things were getting done and eventually completed and then the stadium was added on behind the goal and at the Anfield Road end uh, that, that done as well so things were as we as a team are grown as a team and the club has grown as a club these things were happening as well and, and the, the fans were so much part of it and that's because of Shanks Shanks from the, the word go brought them right into the state he brought them into the club you are the most important people you are the people that we that we play for you are the people you know without you where would we be They're the greatest fans in the world and, and even he just they always had a big crowd at Liverpool but they never had that they never had that involvement where they felt that they were that that much part of the club where the manager you know put them on a pedestal before the and say to the players you know you're playing for them and don't let them down and so they were more important and we felt at times than the players you know it just thought so much of the fans and the stories are endless about the things you used to do for fans it, it was unbelievable and that is the history of the club that is where i know there was a history before bill shankly but he he brought them from the dark ages through enlightenment and this is where the club were going and when you think about it from second division to european football to european finals and now the sad thing about it all was that us as the players and the boss never won the european title when we got the final played poorly uh, against borussia dortmund in the cup winners cup final uh, and the semi-final we got cheated out of it by uh, inter milan so we, we we could have been the first team to win it but we were there we went we we've gone that journey we were now knocking on the door of, of european trophies to be a european team that everybody recognized as one of the, the great teams in europe even though we didn't our team didn't have the, the trophy to hold up but what was happening then was the club were learning as well you know everything everybody was learning through through this process fans were learning fans all new to them going to europe and you know <laughs> uh, 
and we go to Rochdale before now, they're going to Europe, you know, and all this kind of I mean, The whole thing was just one big roller coaster, and it was brilliant to be there at the time. And from what was happening in the 60s, the 70s team were able to then, you know, have a, the staff had learned all these things from it, and they were the ones who started to pick up the trophies. And then the 80s team were a great team, and they went on and, and just took it even further. But that's the evolution, isn't it? You know, you've got to start somewhere. Well, Shankly, uh, Shankly said that signing with you and Ron Yates started it all off. Do you agree with that? Well, it would be nice of him to say that, but <clears throat> we, yes, I mean, as I said, we were second division. Uh, and when a big man signed just after me, um, he was just a great centre-half and a great captain for us. And... Uh, all teams need need players, and new players, if you're going to move on, need new players. And we were the new players, and then others, new players came in, uh, some from our own set-up, our own youth, like Ian Callaghan and Jerry Bernard, Chris Lawler, Tommy Lawrence, uh, Roger Hunt. They all, they all came from, you know, underneath. Still at the club, they were at the club when I arrived at the club. But then we then shanked, bought players, bought Peter Thompson, great player, and Willie Stevenson, Gordon Mill. So we, we and then and later on in the sixties, other great, other great players, like Ray Clemens, to to play in goal, one of the great, great goalkeepers. So you know when they moved forward into the seventies and Keegan and Toshak and. Uh, all the lads that, that he bought. Now, it's amazing this, you know, today's football is about mega, mega millions. Then, Shanks would, would, they would go to teams who were second division teams and get, take a player who then became an international player. I mean, Alec Lindsay from Berry, you know, and Larry Lord at Bristol. Uh, of, of, there's so many now that you can think of. Who Clem, of course, you know, from uh, Clem Scunthorpe, then Keegan, Larry. So they were going down the divisions and, and getting players. And, and they were all becoming international players. So that said something about the setup was right at the club. The chance had got it right. Our training, our playing, our, our, the way we approach games. <coughs> and uh, the club was just a great club. Great club to play with. You made your debut against Everton at Goodison. Um, what did what did Shank say after that? Was he disappointed you lost, or was he, or were you delighted you scored a hat trick? Well, he wouldn't be happy with the lost. I'll tell you that. Uh, but what I can remember was that was the, the the atmosphere of the game. You know, my first ever game in Liverpool was at Goodison, and that's a packed house. Because with Liverpool being in the second division, the teams weren't meeting in the league. So to have a, a, a meeting in the, this cup, <laughs> the Liverpool Senior Cup, was, was great for them to, you know, to get, get at each other again uh, in a match. And of course, me being the, 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 the big signer that we you know, record signing and all that stuff, our fans are going along to think, well, I don't know what they were thinking because they wouldn't have seen me, really. You know, how would anybody see me? Playing up in Scotland, <clears throat> and 
I'm, I run out. I mean, I'm no John Charles, like, you know, six foot two and that. And I said, what have all we got here with this wee guy? But we we played a game and, and I, I got the goal. I, I can remember tapping. So my goals were mainly six yarders anyway. Uh, and I got three goals. But that's it's just like fate. It's like storybook. You know, it's about how you, as I said, from way early on in your life, how you fall into things and they happen seemingly without any planning. They just happen, you know. And, uh, why did I not go to Newcastle? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't and, and these things just happen. And I was like, on the night, I get three goals, um, which is in the record books for all time. The first game is nice to do. Weeks after your debut, you got uh, you went to Czechoslovakia and you got sent off. Yeah, we went to Czechoslovakia. I mean, this is again. I'm saying for Liverpool, and before and I'm playing against Everton at Goodison, like the, the day after the sign, and then a couple of days later, somebody I got a club suit. Somebody got bombed off the flight, <laughs> and I was given the suit. So there's your suit. So in this grey suit we got, and off we went to Czechoslovakia. And I'm still being introduced to people in the, the team, you know, because of other guys in the group. No, and off we went. Uh, yeah, and I, I remember getting sent off. We got, got, one game we got a little bit towsy, and, you know, one thing and all that. And uh, I got the, the... There was no red cards in there. We just got the finger, get off. Um, and that, but it was, it was a good little trip, that. I enjoyed it, and it was good for me to meet all the lads and get you know get to know the lads and a little trip like that we think we played three games and uh, that that was good for me Ronnie wasn't on the trip big Ronnie he hadn't joined at that, that stage he joined a few weeks later but it, it was good and I remember with Johnny Johnny Wheeler who was an experienced player John and had played in the famous Matthews Cup final uh, for Bolton and he was a lovely player Johnny and, and a nice man Liverpool lad, and so I roomed with him. There was one or two other Scots and team bits later, a big Tommy Leishman. And we, as I say, it was a great, for me, a bonding trip, as they call it nowadays, me getting to know all the lads in, in a short space of time. So then we're back for pre-season training just a few weeks after that, and uh, big Ronnie arrived, and off we went. Well, the, the few weeks after the uh, Czechoslovakia trip, we were laughing before that you're a YouTube sensation because uh, you were. You, there was a famous sending off Anfield, and you were. I think you gave someone a little right hook. But that was against Preston, where the big boy Singleton, Tony Singleton, the centre half, and I were having a bit of a battle. And this big fella, we played them in the league, we played them in the cup, and we played them in a the replay in the cup. And and again, where Peter Thompson was playing for them, for the, and uh, went to Old Trafford in a third game, and they beat us. Peter scored the goals. I think. Um, but this big singleton had been laying into me, and Shanks before the game, Anfield said to him, he said to me, "Now this man," he said, "has not kicked lumps at you." He said for three games. He said, "If you let him do it again," he said, "you're not half the man I think you are." So I thought, oh, God, okay, boss. So I thought, I'm, 
license to kill here. So I go out and I start letting me, letting him go for the ball and me clouting him, you see. So I'm sticking a head on him, about headers and putting the boot in. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, we're going to tangle in the goal mouth and I get up and I walk out. And I'm walking out from the Anfield Road end and there's big roars going up where the crowd is. I'm watching it and, and seeing them getting up off the deck and making a run for me. So I'm walking out there, you know, Jack the lad thinking, that's something, weren't you? And he ran off, he went, bosh, he punched me in the ear. Went, oh. So I went down and I got back up and I went for him. And, you know, we have, we have a right set to, and of course the referee, both of you, off. And then Shank says to me in the dressing room, <laughs> I never told you, you sent off. No, but you told me like that. And so, uh, so that was but the one in the YouTube you may be thinking about is one at Fulham, where a lad called Pancho Pearson was playing for Fulham. He'd been a, a, an ex-Man U player. He was playing down there. And again, it was just a scuffle for the ball. We're all having a little battle to try and win the ball. And, and uh, he, he gave me a whack. And, um, and I retaliated. And that was it. And a right hook at him, and he went, I think he made the most of it. But anyway, so I get sent off for that one as well. And, you know, and I had the, Motherwell, I'd never been in any trouble in, in the five years of Motherwell. Come down to Liverpool, and, and I had, I'm sent off five times. Do you think that the, the sort of passion, do you think that's why the fans took to you because of the. Uh, well, I mean, I'm out of order, really, getting sent off because, you know, you're you're leaving the team short. So I, I don't want any plaudits for that. But <clears throat> I had a quick temper. And my sending-offs were always for retaliation. I never started a fight. <clears throat> I never went out, and, you know, apart from Singleton when Shanks, when Shanks had led me into it. But other than that, I never did that. It was a case that they were whacking me, and then I retaliate. And unfortunately, then you'll find out in football, <clears throat> the person that retaliates is usually the one that goes. And the guy that starts it, all the sneakies, you know, they're still on the field. Um, it's thought that uh, the fans had the first football chant was about you. I mean, how does that feel when, yeah, when the fans yeah. are singing? Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it, it, all these things were just all new, all great. And it's just, you know, you think, oh, that's great, you know. You give them a chant and you just give them a little wave, you know, thanks, lads. And, and it does inspire, you know, to ring about. It inspires you to to do your best, to give you 100% and, you know, and try to win the game. You know, put, put the effort in. And then those chants, the other chants about other players and, and the team and everything else. And that was the, what, again, <clears throat> gave Liverpool that distinctive fan base that other teams never had. We were the first team to do that. Fans, first fans to do it. Singing songs then through the, the Beatles and all the rest of it, through the 60s. Uh, singing started and they would change words, you know, we loved you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd sing other songs, we would insert the names of players. And, and it was just, it was, the, the lads who, who 
who fall at Liverpool in the 60s would tell you it was a 10 in the lines and rolling 40 when on a Saturday to Anfield. So it was just all brand new, you know, everything. And, and they were part of it. They were making history. So it must have been, it was great for them and just for us, wonderful. Yeah, 12 months after joining, you got promoted. So it was mm. a quick, it was a quick transition um, after joining. Um, and you and Sir Roger mm. have formed a great partnership. What was it like to play with him? He was a great player, Roger. <clears throat> and we, we were different styles of players and, and that is the important thing. You, you can't have two players of the same style, you know, bumping into each other. So our styles suited each other and that was great. And I just love playing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Roger, because I knew he's the most honest of players. We would never, ever not try to get on the end of a pass. If you give a ball, he would try to get to it, even though he was a bad ball. You'd hold your hand up. Sorry, it was a bad ball. But he would try to make it a good ball. Uh, but his goal-scoring ability, two feet, smack the ball, 20 yards or 25 yards, bang him in the net. Uh, you know, his honesty was great. And I just thought it was a wonderful thing that he, he rose up from where he had been at Liverpool, uh, into the first team, and then England, and then the World Cup. And I went to the World Cup, Big Ronnie and I, and Billy Stevo. Uh, went to the World Cup final. Well, we were the only ones in the club that went to that. Uh, English guys never went, but we went because Roger was playing, Cali was in the squad, Jerry Brennan had been in the squad, Peter had been in the squad as well. So we went to Wembley that day uh, to see Roger playing and see him winning the World Cup. It was, you know, it was fantastic. Uh, so nobody deserved it more. Than, than Roger and the other lads had their been in the game calling in but they were part of it anyway but for Roger to play in the final it was great and well made up for him I really think that uh, you know he's one of the great guys in football um, and not appreciated as much outside of Liverpool maybe as other players in the game but as far as we were concerned he was a top man and then uh, two years later you won the uh, the first division uh, what was that like, you know, from going from second division and well, through 
Yeah, we nearly we, we nearly won it. We nearly won the cup the, the first year in the league. It was a little tester because you you're coming up against better quality players, and the boss would be looking at his team and, and looking at the opposition and thinking we need to strengthen, which he did. He then had to strengthen, and uh, I think we got to the did we get to the semi final of the cup that year, but but we. We we made at least a wee bit of an impact, but then the following year we on a one league in '63 we won the league. Uh, I'm right in saying that, aren't I? '63. So many good years. <laughs> but, was, but we what we were doing was we were establishing ourselves at that level. And okay, it was, we we walked to the second division. We walked it. We we won it with a, a bit. You know, four or five games to play, I think. So, but in the first division, better quality teams, better players, this, that, and other. Took us a year to settle, and then we were off and running in the following year, and they're competing to win it every year. Yeah, and then uh, moving on to 1965. Yeah. The, uh, the kind of the FA Cup that the other Tony said we'd never win. He said we'd never win it, and the, as I said before, when we got close to it uh, and, and never made it again, but that was a, that was a, a hoodoo that had to be had to be beaten. The, I mean, the boss used to say it's, it's you know it's a crime that Liverpool had never won the FA Cup, and he he was desperate for us to win it. It was a big trophy then. It's a shame today because of everything else and you know the hype around Europe and this and the other that the FA Cup was sort of diminished in value. It would appear. But for us and the fans of that era, the FA Cup was the cup, apart from winning the league, of course, but the cup. Uh, and when we got through to to that, to the final again, it was Leeds were playing. We were up and coming team, terrific team. Uh, it, it was just great, and and you just knew it meant so much, meant so much to the boss. So much for him because he'd won it as a player at Preston, so he knows what it was like to go to Wembley and win the FA Cup. And he was he wanted it so much for us and for the fans. Again, he was always about the fans. And if you look at that that day, what and the aftermath of that day, there is nobody, nobody, like who more like loving it than the boss. That to bring the cup back to Liverpool on a Sunday. Did the, did the Evertonian taunts help? Well, the, the Evertonian that was him silence for all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you scored the winner yeah. in extra time. Yeah. Um, a, a nice cross. Cali, uh, uh, Mr. Dependable. Yeah. It was a nice move. If I remember, thinking back, it was a nice move through midfield, Stevo, and then down to Cali. Going past the fullback again as he did, I, you know, will these days ever come back where wingers take on <laughs> fullbacks? And crossed it, and and I was able to get uh, get in front of people and, and get my head to it. Uh, and the last nine minutes from the end, that was extra time. And Wembley was heavy in those days. It was lovely pitching up, but heavy, you know. And we were all taking cramp. Well, I was taking cramp. Uh, but those nine minutes, oh, what an eternity. 
And so finally, you know, he blew the whistle and that was it. All over. History was made. We had at last won the FA Cup. What was the reception like when you got back to Liverpool? Well, I mean, first of all, on the day when the Queen was get, the Queen never normally went to the final. Uh, I don't know where she got the ticket, but anyway, she was given the, the, the cup, present the cup, which was wonderful. Uh, big, <laughs> big Rory goes up the steps, uh, and uh, he goes up there and he wipes his hands and up there. She said, "You must be very tired. We played extra time and up." Oh, he says, I'm absolutely knackered. <laughs> she says, oh, I'm sure you must be. Uh, so he got the cup. And it was great. I, I was thrilled for him, the big man, uh, to be the first captain to lift the cup. Subsequently, we know all the other captains have done it. But he was the first to do it. And I was just thrilled for that. I thought, well, big man, you know, you deserve that. Uh, just great. And then we come back and the... the Coming through the town, well, you can't believe it. I mean, it was just turnout, turnout. Oh. And the thing is, this of course, we we get the town hall, and we're on the on the balcony of the town hall, and a sea, just a sea of people down to the river, everywhere you looked. Oh. We had a game on the Tuesday against Inter Milan, the semi-final of the, the, of the European Cup. Now. You know, players today talk about players of the players talk about tiredness, but people associated with the club, fitness people, and managers talk about tiredness and whatever. I mean, we had that extra time at Wembley. We had the celebrations in London. We get the train up. Then we're playing Tuesday night in the semi-final against what was at that time supposed to be the best team in in Europe, Inter Milan, and we were terrific on the night. We were we played great football against Inter Milan. Won the game, three uh, one, and we felt no two ways about. It, we all felt that's going to be enough for us to 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 win over in Milan. But we didn't budget for the the referee being hooky, and uh, it was a shocking, shocking display a referee and uh, and we were led to believe afterwards that we had. Bribe, and there was no way that he could have given the the decisions he was given on the night if he hadn't been bribed. So it was a, a, we we were robbed of getting to the final of the European Cup, and I think Benfica were, were the other team would have played Benfica, and I believe that we were good enough. That team of the sixties was good enough to win the European Cup, and to be robbed out of it was just a shame. And the, the history books would tell you we didn't do it, but we could have rewritten the history books if that referee hadn't been a cheat. Uh, and it was a shame for for Shanks and Bob and Joe and all the staff, all the lads and the staff as well as us, you know, that we never got to the final and the chance of, of being the first British team to win the, the European Cup. It's sad in that when, when his, his forces outside the game that kind of that do write history, isn't it? It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. not right, is it? No, it's not right. Um, but later on, you you changed position. You you were asked to do the sort of Gerard role. Well, yes. Well, I I see when I was a kid growing up and playing 
all the football playing the various tiers of schools and this. I was an inside right, which was not centre forward, but you know playing deep, and that's why it suited me with Roger. Roger was playing like as a, a centre forward, and I would be drop off. I was playing in that role, uh, and that's why our, our partnership was successful because I would drop off, pick it up, and, and there's all different terminology nowadays with playing between the lines and all this nonsense, you know, but terminology is used, but, you know, people dropping off, centre forward dropping off and playing have been going on before my time. I mean, the great Alfredo Di Stefano just died there, uh, which is sad. I mean, I, he was my hero and, and I, I played in a game with him, in a charity game over in, uh, over in Argentina during the World Cup there. And I loved him. He was, now, he was the instigator of, of the, the deep line centre forward. Drop, he's number nine on his back, but he'd drop off, come play all over the place. And, you know, uh, and that's where I, I, I got the idea of doing that as well when, when I was at Liverpool. But as we moved through the 60s, Shanks then moved me back. They brought Tony Hately, centre forward, and uh, and, and I played in midfield, and I loved playing in midfield. I mean, I was not a Steven Gerrard, and I couldn't hit the ball 50 yards from right to left. You know, Steven does it, he's magnificent. I couldn't do that. Uh, but I would play through balls when I picked it up. And it annoys me, uh, uh, the one thing that does annoy me about the modern game is that the midfield players don't look forward first. They look sideways and back. And, and possession and stats and all that is about possession. Well, when we got it, we to look forward when you want to score goals, <clears throat> and that was the style. <coughs> excuse me, that was the style I had to look forward and get it. Try to stick Roger through, <coughs> stick the, the the wingers through. You know, play it inside full backs and and play that way. And so that, that was the, the type of midfield player I was, and I enjoyed that. And I. I I should have maybe got in the box more to score goals than, than I did. But if you looked at the goal tally I had early on when I was playing more up with Roger, I was scoring goals, then it gradually tails off until I'm playing in midfield and quite happy to be playing other people in and, and not doing it myself. And I've criticised other midfield players watching the game of today for not doing that, getting in there, because I know I should have done it. I should have been in there. I should have said, right, bump, and gone in. But, I mean, apart from the fact that I was in my 30s, maybe didn't have the legs to do it, but I really and truly should have made the effort to get in the box more to try and score from that position. But I loved playing it. I loved playing in that midfield role. And the time you it, it did eventually come to an end and sort of, Unfortunately, a little bit of a falling out with uh, with Shanks. Um, you're playing at Newcastle, and you found out you weren't playing, yeah. but not from the manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the great Jackie Milburn, who was, I mean, a great centre forward for Newcastle, had finished, and, and he was working for the newspapers up there. So, the steps outside the the, where the dressing room areas were <coughs> up there at Newcastle. I'd come out to. Excuse me, to give tickets to somebody and Jackie's there. Hi, Jackie, how are you doing? Great to meet you, all great old players. And, you know, I'm chatting away to him and he said, 
Ajmo oni s indijanom flem, on indijanom flem. He got a program, he said, I'm just got the team here, your team. He said, the indijanom flem. So, I said, so off and went into and Shank couldn't see him. Wasn't there, no dressing room. And I looked down and my boots were under the number 12 jersey because there was only one substitute in those days. And uh, that was it. And I went, what, what, what's that? Ruben and Bob. I go, no, no, calm down, calm down, you know. You know. I said, what man a substitute? And anyway, they calmed me down and made me get ready. And we were about five minutes to go. The boss come in. And I'm like throwing daggers at him. And, he, and he's avoiding looking at me. And they're, come on, boys, now, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Out they go. And I go out in the, in, in the dugout. And I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Because it was my first ever time since I was a boy getting my first game against Queen of the South for Mullerwell. For the first time, I'd never not been in the team. There's no resting either. There's no resting the players. No, no. It was my first ever non-appearance. So I was embarrassed. What's happened to me? All of a sudden, my career's over. I'm finished, and you know, not good enough to play in the team. And and, the, and then Bob, we're getting beaten. And Bob, Bob, Bob said, "You're right. Come on, get warmed up, warmed up, get up, run around." I went, nah. I said, I'm, if he comes up and tells me, you know, Shank, he'll need to come and tell me. I'm not going to do that. And I wouldn't go out, I wouldn't go out to, to warm up. And anyway, the boss never came down from where he used to sit in the stand. He never came down to ask me to go out and, and warm up. And we lost again. <clears throat> and then on the Monday, we have a set to, I go and see him. And, and he said, you were never in the dressing room. It's no point this. We were there on a Friday night up at Newcastle, so they told me on a Friday. You know, I, I just felt it was a matter of principle. But I deserved, after all those years, I deserved him to, to sit down with me on a one-on-one and say, look, lad, you know, you've been a good servant, but you've come to the end, you know. I feel I need to play new flat. And that would have been fine if he'd have done that. But he couldn't face up to it and we other players as well, I know the stories from the other players. When they were finishing, that was one of his weaknesses. He couldn't he couldn't face it. He couldn't face the fact that, that these lads who had been playing for ten years from they've come to the end of the road and and he didn't even want to tell them. You know, he, he just couldn't face up to that fact. Do you think he wasn't as ruthless as people think? He wasn't was? ruthless at all. He did it with he did it. You might think that was ruthless, but it wasn't ruthless. It was the fact that he couldn't do it. And, and with Roger as well, you know, and, and then others. Peter Thompson, <coughs> Big Ronnie, Billy Stevenson, Gordon Milne. We all had to go. We all had to go because we, we can't play forever. It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? But all he wanted was for the boss to say, son, I think it's come to the end of the road, you know. And we were all in our 30s anyway. We'd had a career, you know. And you just needed somebody to put their hand in around you and say, now, you know, I've got to look to the future. I've got to think of the next team. 
got to think as a club, and and you would enjoy. I know, I know, all of us will enjoy. Quite right, Mike. Craig, did you did you say that was his? Well, that was it. That was it, you know. So I've got a hump for him uh, for not doing that. And within a short space of time, very short space of time, he called me into the office and said to me, George Easton, he said, has uh, been, been up to see me. He said, he's the man manager of a team in Cape Town in South Africa. He said, would you like to go there? And I thought, blimey, he's trying to get me far enough away here. And I said, I'll speak to him then. So George said to me, Cape Town City, blah, blah. I didn't really need, I didn't need much persuading. So within days, uh, I've got the family, got my, my, my kiddie, and uh, two kids, wife, on a plane, went to Cape Town, and had a fantastic time. If I'd have gone to a t another team in, in uh, England, I don't think, it would have been right, you know, but to go to South Africa was fantastic. You know, all of a sudden I'm there. Beautiful. I mean, you know, everybody knows about Cape Town, how marvellous it is. And there's me there. I'm playing again, all of a sudden, a meaningful team that want me, team that need me, whatever, and we won the league. So I'm, I'm playing great football out there again. Um, it was just marvellous. And while I'm there, then uh, I'll I got a call from Noel Cantwell at uh, Coventry, and he wanted me to come to Coventry. And uh, he said, you can be a coach as well, player coach. So persuaded me to go back up there, you know, and I went to Coventry. And it was a shame, really, because I let uh, Noel was a smashing lad, and they a good little team, but the chairman, like a lot of football clubs, if you don't have a good chairman, you, you can have trouble. And he had a guy called Robbins, who was not a good chairman. And they fell out. He sacked Noel. And he said to me, and I'd only been there six months, and he said to me, I'd like you to stay on. And I, I said, no. I said, Noel brought me here, and uh, I'm leaving. If he's sacked, I'm leaving. So I resigned. And that put me out of the, the business of uh, playing football again. After after Coventry, my old club Motherwell phoned me up and said, "Would you like to be the manager?" Because I'd been doing coaching courses and things. I'd, I'd, I'd done that, and I'd always been want to stay in the game. And Shanks hated the <laughs> Shanks hated the the fact that anybody would go to Little Shop. He hated Little Shop and everything it stood for, and he had it down on me because I I went to get my bags and go to Lillishaw, uh, which was silly, it was crazy of him doing that, but that's the way he felt about it. Um, so I, I went up and spoke to the chairman of Motherwell, he was a lovely man, and he persuaded me to come back to Motherwell. And I, it was, it was, I would say great, it was good, and getting back there, um, <clears throat> We were able to get one or two players. I, w I went to, to Liverpool and got Bobby Graham. Who was, Bobby ended up being the player of the year in Scotland that year. Fantastic, Bobby. Uh, we just couldn't get a game at Liverpool. And during our time, we couldn't get a game because I was playing, Roger was playing. We usually play week in, week out. 
So, but anyway, Bobby became a star, star up in Scotland. A mother, he's a motherable boy as well. Uh, being a motherable fan as a kid. So but it was great for Bobby and, and it was great for us. And we're going good. Mother was doing well. And then out of the blue, my wife hadn't settled really back home up in Scotland. Out of the blue, I get this chairman of, of Portsmouth, Mr. Deacon, to come up and say to me, we're going to go to Portsmouth. Now Shanks phones me. Portsmouth Sunday, great club and this, that and the other. And he, he persuaded me to go to Portsmouth, Shanks. Dropped me right in it, right up to my eyeballs. So I take his advice and I shouldn't have left Motherwell. We were getting a nice team together. Things were going well. And I shouldn't have left, but I did. And I went down there to Portsmouth. Now, as a place and area, loved it. My wife loved it. Kids loved it. School loved it. And the only thing that was letting me down was the team. The team was a poor team. So, having watched the team for a couple of games, I went and go to the chairman and say, right, I says, we need a few players. Uh, I've got a boy in mind, blah, blah. He said, there's no money. I said, well, you told me there's no enough money. Well, he told me that my wife was sitting there in the room when he was saying how much money we had to spend on players. So I thought, I've got a chance here. Because no, you've no chance if you can't change your team. for crap. So, you told me, well, I've had difficulties in business, in housing business. Building houses. So I had no money. So I've got a team that I don't use and no money to improve them. Where does that send you? You've only got three transfer players. And, I'd, I'd, and as I say, that everything was great. The club and <coughs> big support, smashing through the mad field football. Lovely area. Couldn't have wished to go to a better area in the UK than where I was down there. And yet, the one thing we needed was decent footballers and football. So that was it. Now, so I have a big fallout with him. And just out of the blue, I got a call from Granada TV to say, how would you like to come up and, and do something for us at TV? Well, I'm doing nothing anyway. To go up there, do something, pick the man of the match or something to do. And next week, come back up and go, yeah, okay. So I'm in Portsmouth, I've been up to, up to Manchester. And it looks as if I'm, I'm turning into a job. And I said to Dixon, we need, we need to move back up to the north. And we moved back to Liverpool. Because I had just left Granada. I'm only in Liverpool like a matter of a month or two. And I got a job at London Weekend. <laughs> got a job at London Weekend TV. Doing the Saturday programme. Which is a big slot. That Brian Moore used to be you know, on the ball. It was called. And that was... You know, so I'm then travelling from Liverpool down to London. Oh, that part of my life <coughs> was crazy. You know, I shouldn't, they said we should never have moved from Portsmouth and then we could have just travelled to London, which is, you know, an hour on the train. But 
as I say, things in your life fall into place and things happen. You don't plan them, they just happen. And I got into TV, did the Saturday job, then linked up with Jimmy Greaves a year or two later from, from St. Greaves's. And, and we had like, I don't know, 20 years of TV. I was going to World Cups, working in the World Cup, Argentina, Italy, Spain, I'm, I'm all over the place. And it was great for me because I'm in football, but I don't have the worries. And my wife said to me, it was the best thing that happened to you because if you'd have stayed in the game as a manager, what was happening to me at Taunton, she said, you, you never know what would have happened there because it, it, it really was not, not healthy to be in that kind of environment to get around in it. We were, when Jimmy and I got put together, <clears throat> I mean, he, he was like me and that. He was a, a, after he's finished football and, and he didn't want to be in management or anything like that. And uh, he was doing something at, um, in the Midlands. And our boss, Jim Bromley, at the, the sport of ITV, Bromley's had seen him doing this thing on a Friday night there and uh, thought, put him in the Saturday slot, try him out with me. And it just went, linked up great. We both enjoyed it. And as I say, it ran on then for, I don't know, 20 years or more. And uh, we, we, we just had a great time. We never, we never rehearsed anything. We didn't. We just, and then there was a spin-off thing even uh, that, that, that came into it from that. Um, but that was the way our, our careers ended up. And, and he was a funny guy, Jimmy. I loved him. Uh, and what a player he was. You know, people talk about goal scorers and you look at England's team today and, and then you think of the quality of the players like Roger Hunt and, and Jimmy Greaves and you know, far better players than the ones we've got today. And just, just before we before we kind of wrap up, what's your conclusion of modern league football? I think the, the modern league game. I, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't knock the modern league game. I would enjoy a lot of the game. Enjoy the, the qualities of the players in it, like Stephen Gerrard. You know, I thought wonderful player. Uh, I thought that the cannibal kid was a was a great player for us. Now that he's gone to Barcelona, but he was a great, great player and worth going to see. I enjoyed uh, seeing him, but I've seen so many mundane players at Liverpool because they were bringing players in left, right, centre from all over the place and, and really were not familiar Liverpool players. And, 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 I, and the way the game has gone, where possession football for the sake of possession seems to be a thing like with a lot of teams. And I don't want to sit with a board like my brain seeing them going 20 passes and they're still in their own half. They end up passing it back to the goalie who then lumps it. Look at the first guy who ever played that ball. Went around 20 passes. So that kind of thing annoys me. I don't have no enough players thinking. You know, uh, that was why Sumanas was good. I mean, when he got it, he would make things happen. He would do things. Um, and you need players like that. Too many of the others uh, are just want to, to pass the ball sideways and backwards. They think of that same having a good game, you know, and and the team as a team, you know, no excitement anymore. You know, we I'm not just talking about Liverpool, I'm talking about other teams as well. And and you really need to to excite the fans, to give them something to cheer about. People talk about 
Torah inspired in the first. The players were going to inspire the crowd before it comes back for them. They're going to see something first. And uh, the, the modern game, I mean, I've watched the World Cup. And little Messi, who is for me the best player in the world at the moment, has a, has a poor World Cup in the latter stages. <clears throat> Whether he was injured, whatever, he, he just faded in the last few games. Um, with him fading, your team fades. And, you know, uh, and I thought the World Cup was, at the end, it was disappointing the last few games. When, when it was the, the earlier stages, it was fresh, and everybody's having a go. It was exciting to think, well, this is good, you know. A lot of these teams that you don't know much about were having a go. And, and uh, But the latter stages, you look at it and say, well, how many saves did the goalkeepers make? And practically none. So it tailed off for me, the World Cup. Although the press and the people who were involved in working over there tried to make out it was the best World Cup ever. And not to reflect on those people. Well, if you're on the beach, you'll be there. Ah, yeah, I mean, I've, well, I've, I've been on that beach and it was very, very nice. <laughs> it's the best, best World Cup if you're there. Yeah, I'm telling you, World Cup, the, the Argentina World Cup was great. I really enjoyed that. It was, I was working on that. I was flying around all the games all over Argentina. That was a great World Cup. Uh, the World Cup in Germany, uh, the World Cup in Italy, yeah, Italy, the World Cup. So I've got a great World Cup through the TV. Uh, and it's just, I mean, these lads that are doing it now, honestly, they'll tell you it's just like a, it's a piece of cake. Either you watch the game or talk. <laughs> At least going to, like, with your mates going in the pub after the game, isn't it? And you, you get to drink something and you go, what about this? And what about that? And then you need something to jump on under their opinions. And, that. and that's all these lads are doing. I mean, honestly, it's the, the best job in the world that you actually get paid for. Amazing how you get paid just to sit there and talk about it. Um, just obviously, like we were talking about before, but just just obviously the last couple of months you've had um, all generation of, of Liverpool fans sort of sending their best wishes after the American one came up from the, the front door um, and it, it came out in the press about your health. And we knew for a couple of years, but... Well, the, the there's no, there's no secrets now, is there? No, no privacy now because you know everything is out there on the, the, the web, as they call it, you know, World Wide Web. This and uh, I never wanted people really to to know about my health. It was my me and my family, whatever. You know, I got cancer and uh, I, I, I didn't want it out there, and you know, for people to talk about. But, but when it happened. And, and the, the response was terrific. The response from the people at the club, like Ralph Brendan and, and Colin Van Cleef, and uh, Robert Fever, all the lads phoning me up from old mates, uh, showing concern. Well, that is, you know, you've got to appreciate that. And that, I, I think that is, that is nice that, that, that people, you know, are thinking of you. Uh, and if a message is through, through, Twitter and whatever, some from former players, or former players, uh, Five Towns, Fred's mate, you know, from people around the world, and and that's again is nice. I mean, it's uh, people showing concern and, and thinking about you, uh, and sending their best wishes, and I do appreciate that. 
and I, I realized in the morning model it's very difficult to to shy away from from publicity because I mean it's everything is out there you sneeze and everybody knows about it um, as far as my my illness is concerned I'm I'm waiting for the specialist to to come back to me and tell me where I stand at the moment um, but you'll <laughs> you'll laugh at this I mean, if you know what happens, I'm too boring. When I'm getting my last little operation was for my, my urethra, a cancer in there. And I don't know what they were doing with my legs when I was knocked out getting that operation, but I waken up and my knee, my bad knee, my two ballers knee, <laughs> which has plagued me from my, even my days at Motherwell when I had my first cartilage out there. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't straighten my leg. My knee was locked, bent, my left knee, and... So I'm lying in bed in pain, and I'm just—I've <laughs> just had a big operation, but my, it's my knee that's killing me. So I went to get the the, the physio boy. <laughs> I look at him and say, "Right, he needs to to see the specialist, the orthopedic." And he said, "Well, I need an operation." So I'm in there recovering from this operation, and I get carted. <laughs> carted down to an orthopedic to get an, an operation on my knee so I'm getting t I've got two operations done at the same time and afterwards uh, obviously he does a scope thing on your knee he said oh it's wrecked your knee's I said I know it's wrecked it's been wrecked for years and uh, he said you need a new knee so, so the outcome is now that once I get over these new all these problems, by the end of the year I'm going to get a new knee. Practically, so that will that will have me bouncing about. Want to go back home? No, no point. <laughs> if I can get again my golf, uh, get back into my golf because it always plagued me at home playing golf anyway. So that's my next move, is is to have a new knee. I'm going to be like the bionic man. I mean. <laughs> They're taking stuff out of me at one point, other parts of my body, and then I'm going to give me a new knee here. Uh, yeah. So that that's the state of the game now. I'm, I'm feeling not too bad, re, re my cancer operations, uh, and it's just a matter of time and see how that how they go, uh, and then once I get my new knee, you know, I'll, I'll be fine and I'll be able to. You know, get up for the games on a Saturday and see how the lads get on. One one question we we can ask everyone in the series is, how would you like to be remembered? Well, I I, I think that I would I would like to be remembered uh, as an honest player, and this is what annoys me about players who are dishonest and do things that you know and give themselves a bad name, give the club a bad name. Um, I think I, I've played to my utmost ability. Better players than me have played, but nobody gave the effort more than me. Might have given the same effort as me, but they didn't give any more than me. So I, I, I play to my maximum, and and I think fans who, who watch the game appreciate what you're doing. Uh, and it's like watching any player. You see a player, you go, well, you're not the greatest player ever, but I tell you what, they're not let you down, you know. And, that, and I've said that about certain players. Uh, in the team since I finished playing. And I think that is a good thing. If you've 
<coughs> you can say it clear. Well, you never let the lads down. You know, you gave 100%. Uh, and, and I feel that I did that. So I, I can hold my head up in, in that respect. Apart from the occasional sending off, I don't think I let the team down. Brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on it, and uh, we'll be seeing you next season on the podcast, the usual podcast. Hopefully, yes. Yeah, back yeah. on talking, talking yeah. uh, <laughs> out in the pub, <laughs> rubbish about. Yeah. But, um, it'll be brilliant. So we'll see you soon. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to to the new players at Liverpool gelling, and. Uh, Forget the one that's gone because you know time moves on. The king is dead. Uh, with the new players there, there'll be a, a team that maybe play even better football than we we've had in the past year and nearly got to the title. Mm. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to to that. It'll be an exciting season. Brilliant. Thank you. Five times are hitting the road again this summer, and it's the Champions League heroes heading to Ireland in August. <laughs> Shevchenko, the European Footballer of the Year, the star man in the Milan side, must score. He must score. He saved it! Dulac saves! For Liverpool! And Liverpool have won the Champions League! This is amazing! Can you believe it? Jamie Carragher and Luis Garcia host a gala dinner at the Marca Hotel in Dublin, August 20th. Once a European champion, always a European champion. 24 hours later, Luis Garcia, Didi Haman and Jamie Carragher are at the Waterfront Theatre Belfast, August 21st. Then in September, Barnes, Aldridge and Haman in London on Thursday the 11th. Fowler, McAteer and Whelan in Newport, South Wales on Thursday the 18th. All details and tickets of all those events on fivetimes.co slash events. It'd be great to see you there. Liverpool have their hands on the European Cup again. And this time it's for keeps. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.